name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our faith is alive. These are the words of a contemporary holy man, Papa Dimitri. I've been reading his life. Uh, Father Dimitrios Gagastafis was a priest, just a village priest in northern Greece, but a very holy and faithful man. Many miracles occurred in his life and afterwards. And he would always say, our faith is alive. Father Dimitri, Papa Dimitri would know this because he was persecuted greatly during the Greek Civil War when the communists were trying to take over the country. And he spoke out to his flock saying that communism is against God. And so he was persecuted, he was chased, and there were many miracles that occurred that by God's providence allowed for him to continue living in the midst of those times. But he's just one thread in this beautiful tapestry of the church, which weaves its way all the way back to our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our faith is alive because life himself dwells in us. As it said in the epistle reading today, brethren, you are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and move among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch nothing unclean. Then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. And our faith is alive because we have life himself dwelling in us. Last Sunday, I spoke about St. Timothy, who was the disciple of St. Paul and how the life that Christ gave to the apostles, Paul then gave to Timothy, and Timothy then handed down to the faithful after him. Today we celebrate another disciple of an apostle. Today is St. Ignatius, the God-bearer of Antioch. He was a disciple. St. Ignatius was a bishop in Antioch, and he was in that earliest part of the church just after the apostles when the church was spreading everywhere through the Roman Empire. And he was a bishop in Antioch for many decades. And he's part of that woven tapestry of the apostles that came from Christ, that came through Christ to the apostles and through the apostles to their disciples such as St. Ignatius. The amazing thing, I was reading through the epistles of St. Ignatius, which we have to this day. And if you have a chance ever, pick up a book that would be called the Apostolic Fathers. It's the writings of those earliest church fathers right after the apostles. And what we hear is that same voice of St. Peter, like in St. Peter's epistle that we read today. That same language, that same way of looking at the world, that same way of understanding Christ is just as alive in those disciples of the apostles. And as St. Peter said in his epistle today about the temple of the living God being our bodies, so St. Ignatius carries that same theme. So I'd like to read for the rest of the homily today a number of passages from St. Ignatius so we can hear his wisdom directly. He says, You are all participants together in a shared worship, God-bearers, temple-bearers, Christ-bearers, bearers of holy things, 
adorned in every respect with the commandments of Jesus Christ. Nothing is hidden from the Lord, even our secrets are close to him. Therefore, let us do everything with the knowledge that, that he dwells in us, in order that we may be his temples, and he may be in us as our God, as in fact he really is. St. Ignatius also spoke quite a bit about the opposition between worldly ways and the ways of God, like St. Paul did as well in today's epistle, where he talked about separating from the things of sin. And he even, uh, in, uh, in the writings of St. Ignatius, he even quotes from St. Paul. He says in another place, See then that all things have an end. Two things together lie before us, death and life. And everyone will go to his own place. For just as there are two coinages, the one of God and the other of the world, and each of them has its own stamp impressed upon it, so the unbelievers bear the stamp of this world, but the, the faithful in love bear the stamp of God the Father through Jesus Christ, whose life is not in us unless we voluntarily choose to die into his sufferings. And speaking of dying to, into his sufferings, he writes to St. Polycarp, another early of the church fathers, encouraging him in the faith and in strength, and he says, please the one whom you serve as soldiers. Doesn't that sound just like St. Paul? Please the one whom you serve as soldiers, for whom you from whom you receive your wages. Let none of you be found a deserter. Let your baptism serve as a shield, faith as a helmet, love as a spear, endurance as armor, let your deeds be your deposits in order that you may eventually receive the savings that are due to you. We hear very much St. Paul in those writings. So we might ask, what are the good deeds? What does it mean to be a Christian? And he answers that in his epistle to the Ephesians. He says, pray continually for the rest of mankind that they may find God, for there is in them hope for repentance. Therefore, allow them to be instructed by you, at least by your deeds. In response to their anger, be gentle. In response to their boasts, be humble. In response to their slander, offer prayers. In response to their errors, be steadfast in the faith. In response to their cruelty, be civilized. Do not be eager to imitate them. Let you, us show by our forbearance that we are their brothers and sisters. And let us be eager to be imitators of the Lord, to see, now listen closely, who can be the more wronged, who can be the more cheated, who the more rejected, in order that no weed of the devil may be found among you, but that with complete purity and self-control you may abide in Christ Jesus physically and spiritually. We see how he speaks about a completely other way from the way of the world. He's encouraging us to be the more wronged, the more cheated, the more rejected. Why? Of course, we know because this is the life of Christ. We want to join Christ. We must be like Christ and endure what Christ endured. 
But also he says that again, he says, in order that no weed of the devil may be found among you. What a profound way to see the devil flee from you is to endure wrongs, to patiently bear wrongs. This is not the way of the world. In the way of the world, we are justified by our retaliations, by our rejection of others because they've rejected us. They've been doing wrongs, therefore I'm justified in doing this and that and the other to them. But this is not the way of Christ. Then he writes again to uh, St. Polycarp, the Bishop of Smyrna, and he says this. Stand firm like an anvil being struck with a hammer. It is the mark of a great athlete to be bruised, yet still conquer. But especially we must, for God's sake, patiently bear all things, so that he may also bear with us. And he's writing this to Polycarp, who was eventually martyred. But St. Uh, Ignatius did not escape martyrdom either. He also received that crown, which he talked about with St. Ignatius. During the time of the Emperor Trajan, right around the end of the first century, the beginning of the second century, uh, the Emperor Trajan had a successful war, and so he came back to the empire, and he said, everyone needs to offer offerings to gods in thanks for our victory. And, Saint, and he came to Antioch, and St. Ignatius was there, who would not offer to those gods. And so Trajan sentenced him to be sent to Rome to be fed to wild beasts. So now imagine you know your sentence, you know it's coming, you also know it's coming months from now because you have to be shipped all the way to Rome. And so St. Ignatius, during this time of being in chains, the chains which he called his spiritual pearls, by the way, his own physical chains, his spiritual pearls, he wrote to many of the churches during that time. These are the letters that we have. The letters that he wrote were letters he wrote while he was in chains being sent to his eventual martyrdom. And he wrote to the church in Rome especially, and that's what I want to focus on here, that church of the Romans, which he'd never been to. And why was he eager to write to them? To tell them to not stop him from his martyrdom. To tell them, don't get in the way, do not let this stop. He's eager to give his life to Christ. And this reminds us of our Lord's words. Our Lord says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. In St. Ignatius' letter to the Romans, we see someone who truly desires to be like St. Paul says in the epistle today, to make holiness perfected. This is what he says to the Romans. He says, Grant me nothing more than to be poured out as an offering to God while there is still an altar ready. Pray that I will have strength both outwardly and inwardly so that I may not just talk about it and want, but want to do it so that I may not merely be called a Christian but actually prove to be one. I am writing to all the churches and insisting to everyone that I die for God of my own free will, 
Let me be food for the wild beasts through whom I can reach God. I am God's wheat. I am being poured to the being ground by the teeth of the wild beasts so that I may prove to be pure bread. Better yet, coax the wild beasts so that they may become my tomb and leave nothing of my body behind, lest I become a burden to anyone once I have fallen asleep. Then I will truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ when the world will no longer see my body. Pray to the Lord on my behalf so that through these instruments I may prove to be a sacrifice to God. The ruler of this age wants to take me captive and corrupt my godly intentions. Therefore, none of you who are present must help him. Instead, take my side, that is God's. When I arrive there, I will be a human being. Allow me to be an imitator of the sufferings of my God. My love has been crucified, and there is no fire of material longing within me, but only water living and speaking in me, saying within me, Come to the Father. Fire and cross and battles with wild beasts, mutilation, mangling, wrenching of bones, the hacking of limbs, the crushing of my whole body, cruel tortures of the devil. Let these come upon me, only let me reach Christ. The pains of birth are upon me. My brothers and sisters, our faith is alive. We see in him his desire for birth. The pangs of birth, he says. What birth? We're all thinking death. That's what's coming to him is death. And all he sees is birth. This is how far off we are. Because we see that moment, that end of our life, as an end. And he sees it as the beginning, which it truly is. Our faith is alive because the living God dwells in us. We receive him, we consume him, he is in all of our members, and we are alive because of him. This is the faith that is alive in us. I want to close with just a little, there are many miracles in the life of Papa Dimitri, but I want to read one of these to you to understand how very much our faith is alive. And I'll close with this. On Sunday morning, October 20, 1945, just after I rang the church bell and entered the church for matins, communist guerrilla troops caused a commotion by encircling the village. A nationalist squadron had camped in our village, and the communists wanted to retaliate by killing all of us. I crossed myself, asked for St. Nicholas's help, and ran outside. The communists fired at me, but I was not hit. I headed in the direction of another village where I knew there was a, a detachment of the National Army. After a short while, 11 horsemen overtook me. The bullets they fired pierced my cassock, but they did not harm me. They encircled me at a distance of about, 100, about 50 meters and shouted, Where are you going now, bearded devil? I lifted my hands to heaven and cried from the depth of my soul, Archangel Michael, I'm in danger. Save me. And behold, what a wonder. Archangel Michael himself appeared like lightning. He cut the bands of their chief's saddle with his sword and threw him down from his horse and causing him to fall on his spine. 
The other ten froze on the spot. One of them finally spoke, saying, Forgive us, my priest. Go on your way. You have high protectors. Thank you, I said. I forgave them and prayed to God to enlighten them so that they might repent and become good men. Always speak the truth, I told them, and may God be your help. When I arrived at the neighboring village, the people who had come out to see what was going on received me in tears. But I said, let us go to the church and thank God for having delivered me from this great danger. I entered the church, venerated the icons. I told the people that we should be exceedingly glad, for our faith is alive. Amen. Amen.